Hey, good morning. Welcome to Living Word. If you're here with us um, in person, welcome. If you're with us online, we're glad you're able to join us. We're going to be in Mark chapter 13, and we're going to talk about making room for God. That's our whole series. So now that you're comfortable, let me ask you to stand in reverence. If you're able, if you're able, um, if, in reverence to the Word of God, Mark chapter 13 is a fascinating passage. You're going to wonder why on earth are we reading this passage during Advent, it'll make sense in a second. Mark chapter 13, verse 24 to 37, this is the word of the Lord. Jesus said, but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day, or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. I hope you came this morning ready for God to do some work in your life. Did you, did you come ready to hear from God that God would do something this morning? If you believed that, you'd be kind of like on the edge of your seat today, waiting and watching. And that's what Jesus is telling you this morning. So Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. If you receive that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Please be seated. So we're going to focus pretty intently on that verse that's going to be on the wall, on both walls. Um, thanks, Kevin, on our tech team, who's done so much and, and so many who've done it. Isn't it amazing what they do to this place this time of year, right? Yeah. It's like a man going away. He, he went away, he, puts his, he leaves his house, he puts his servants in charge, and each with their assigned task, and then he says to the one at the door, watch. So you would, you would live differently today if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow. Think about that for a second. You would. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, you'd live very differently. There's a joke in Britain that says that wherever the queen goes, she smells fresh paint. You'd live differently. If you knew you had guests coming over for Thanksgiving, like 24 of them crammed into your house, you would live differently, right? You would, and this is gonna sound very personal and maybe like a therapy for me for just a second. 
So just go with me. You, you'd probably paint a lot of things in your house. Maybe a lot of walls. You would buy a lot of throw pillows, apparently. <laughs> Very random. Jesus is coming back, buy throw pillows. That's the only thing anybody's going to remember. It's right there, that. So Advent, we're in the season of Advent. It literally just launched this Sunday. So the first Sunday in Advent. Advent's like a four-week period building up to Christmas. Christmas is, it starts on December 24th. I hope you saw the dates and you paid attention to the time. We'll know like who walks in at 9.30 at the 9 o'clock service. We'll know who, did, who wasn't listening, right? Advent means arrival, and, it, and we're preparing for the arrival of God. In the first coming of Jesus, that's, that's him coming in as a baby, the incarnation of the Son of God. But we're also preparing in Advent for the second coming, which is how the traditional sort of church calendar starts with the second coming. It reminds me of, um, of that book that talks about beginning with the end in mind. So make no mistake, people, all of you, just as Jesus came once to earth as a baby, he is coming again as a conquering king. He is coming again. And boy, I hope you walk away with a lot of hope in your heart today with the reality that Jesus is coming again. But Advent forces on us this preparatory question. It says, how would you live today if you knew the owner of the house was coming back at any moment? So over the next four weeks, Pastor Brian, actually about five weeks, the next five weeks, Pastor Brian and I are going to talk about how we make room for God in the spirit of Advent, how we welcome God's work into our life. And here's the good news. He wants to do something in your life. Right now, he wants to do something in your life. Step one is what we're going to talk about this morning. That's watchfulness. We need to be watching and ready for the work that God wants to do in our lives. So let me give you the three kind of identifying marks of a watchful servant this morning. They're all words that start with V, okay? The first mark is that we would be vigilant. The second mark is that we, we, we would be vigorous. And the third mark is that we will be, and you will be, and you will walk out of here, hopefully this morning, victorious. You got that? Vigilant, vigorous, victorious. Let's talk about the first point. A watchful servant is vigilant. Mark 13 is an awesome passage. You should spend some time this week reading it. It is a challenging passage because it's kind of apocalyptic, they say in genre, in style. What it means is Jesus is talking about a lot of things that are in the future, okay? And scholars say the best way to read this is, is with what they call prophetic perspective, what that means is like, imagine you're looking at the mountains and you see some of the hills are up close. Some of them are off in the distance and then some of them you can see, but they're actually really far away. That's kind of one way you can read Mark 13 is that there's some stuff happening that's gonna be very close to the disciples that they're gonna experience in their lifetime. There's some stuff that's a little farther and then there's some stuff that's even farther still. That's prophetic Perspective. So Jesus, first of all, is talking about the close hills to his disciples. The near, near-term vigilance is the first thing. So if you, um, if you read, I, I don't think everything in this passage is about the end times and, and, and the world. Some of it 
some of it, but not all of it, okay? So let me just read a couple of verses from Mark 13. Uh, verse 1, and the disciples, as Jesus was leaving the temples, the disciples look around, they say, what massive stones, how awesome is this temple? And Jesus says to them, do you see all these buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. And then in verse 14, he goes on and he says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it doesn't belong, then let the reader understand and let, let those in Judea flee to the mountains. I don't think Jesus is talking about the end of the world right now in these verses. I think he's talking about the coming destruction of Jerusalem in about less than 40 years, okay? Jesus is talking about the temple destruction in 70 AD, and we know, by the way, history, in, in 69 AD, a Roman general named Titus marched with his army through Jerusalem and literally destroyed the temple. Stone, no stone left unturned, destroyed the city. It was so bad that Jewish historian Josephus wrote, he said that the hunger, there was hunger, great hunger in the city. There was a famine. The city was sieged for five months, so much so that there's a piece of art that you can look at is, is actually a parent eating one of their children. There were rumors of cam cannibalism that happened during this time. Literally for those people, it probably felt like the end of their world. And I think that's part of what Jesus is doing here. He is preparing them for the fact, and he goes on to say, be on your guard and watch it. When you see these things happen, don't stay, run to the mountains. That's near term. But I think Jesus is encouraging us, the readers, the listeners, to something that's more of a long-term vigilance. Jesus Christ, this text says, will return visibly. Did you catch that? We will see him coming in the clouds. He is going to return. And the verse, it says in verse 26 of our text, at that time, people will see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And in verse 32, Jesus says, you, but you'll never know the day or the hour. The angels don't know. Even the son, Jesus is saying in some mysterious way, son doesn't know, the father knows that time, but we don't know. And so we've gotta be vigilant. Let me tell you some ways that you're already living with some vigilance and maybe help stimulate some thinking about what this looks like in your spiritual life. Some of you are very vigilant about your Amazon packages coming to your house. Now, I mean, some of you probably are sitting at the door watching. Others of you bought a ring doorbell, right? And you're watching and you get little notifications on your phone. You're watching videos. It's very strange. It's very weird, but you do it but you're very vigilant about your Amazon packages. I have to be vigilant as I drive in the city and down certain streets because in my neighborhood, there's some sections where it's like one lane and there's cars parked on both sides and, you, and the terrifying things like little kids playing on the sidewalk. And those little guys, like they can dart out at any moment. So you better drive pretty vigilantly down those sections lest you want to um, introduce your car to one of those children. My friend, Chief Todd King from Springsbury Police, this week he and I were talking about how hard it is uh, policing from a mental health perspective in terms of the fact that police officers have to be hyper vigilant. That's the word he used, hyper vigilant. They're like on all the time. And if you're a police officer here, first of all, thank you for your service. 
but you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's tiring, and then you get home, and then you just want to shut down because you've been hyper vigilant all day long. Now, the enemy, your enemy, wants you to be drowsy. There's this great Rembrandt uh, painting I'm going to show for you. Do you see, see if you can find in there, it's not where, where's Waldo, but where's the dude who's sleeping? Right, do you see him? It's funny because like the first service, I can say this to you now, I talked about this and then I looked up and there was a guy that was sleeping. <laughs> so I can see you if you're sleeping. This is Jesus teaching in Gethsemane. That sounds very judgy. Don't judge, you all got an extra hour of sleep. This is Jesus teaching in Gethsemane. This, this passage to his disciples, that's what Rembrandt is, is painting here. And he's showing, like, don't become drowsy. Don't become that guy that is sleeping. Be on guard. Be on watch. Get your defenses up. Put your notifications on, if you know what I mean. How would you live if you knew your house was going to be broken into tonight? What would you do? I know what you'd do. You'd look like Kevin from Home Alone. You, you would do that, right? Thank God that we have text messaging. Somebody, I couldn't remember his name, and somebody messaged me in between the service because I said Macaulay Culkin, and they said, it's Kevin. Thank you for that. Thank you. You would. You'd be like, if your home was going to be broken into, you'd be like Kevin. You'd be ready. Your defenses would be up. Let me ask you about your spiritual life. Does your spiritual life look vigilant? Are you drowsy? Are you unfocused? Are you bored with your faith? Because Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Be on guard, be alert, be ready. A watchful servant is vigilant. Second thing, a watchful servant's vigorous in their activity, they're vigorous. It says in the text that he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task we're called to live vigorously. That means with enthusiasm, with energy. You've got some pep in your step, if you will. You know where you're going, what you're doing. Here's what it looks like, right? First of all, you got to remember whose house you're serving in. Whose house is it? It's Jesus' house. He puts his servants in charge. Remember your charge. No man can serve two masters. There are no other masters before him. You serve in God's house. You have a charge, he puts his servants in charge. I like how he says that. But Jesus says it's not a power trip, right? He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant because even the Son of Man came to serve. He came to serve. So we don't ask, what will the church do for me? What can, what can I do for the kingdom of God and the people that he loves through my service in the church? But you gotta know and execute your assigned task. Let me pause and camp here for just a second on this phrase, your assigned task, because I don't want you to miss it. You gotta find your hedgehog. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You gotta find your unique calling in life. Jim Collins wrote this great book called Good to Great about businesses that were decent companies but became really great companies. He said the key was they had to find their hedgehog concept. Their one thing that they could do that would make them unique and position them in the market in a really unique way. So Jim Collins talks about that and he uses a, as a, a fable of a fox and a hedgehog. So a fox is sleek and cunning and beautiful, but he says a fox does many things. 
A fox tries a lot of things to get that hedgehog. I mean, he's got all kinds of plans and schemes and he does many things, but the hedgehog does one thing. You know what the hedgehog does? Right, the hedgehog is a prickly, like spear looking thing, right? The hedgehog rolls up into a ball, it's one thing, and the fox hits it with its nose every time and gets a pricked nose. The, because a hedgehog does one thing and does it really well. What is your assigned unique task that God has given you? And let me say to all of you, let me start with some people that have gray hair in here. It's not too late in your life to still find your one thing, your unique calling. It's never too late. As long as you're breathing, you better find your one thing. But to some of you who are young, I love that you got, I got some young people right here, sitting right here. You gotta find your one thing, your unique calling, God made you special. You need to stop trying to be like everybody else because God made you and we need you and we need your gifts and your unique calling. So let me talk to you just a second about how to think about this. Let me show you a, a, a chart here. I kind of took Colin's thing and adapted it. So this is not completely original. It's not plagiarism. You start with your passion. What's your thing you're passionate about? What do, you, what do you wake up every day and you're like, man, I get to do this today. Do you have that? Do you know what that is? Right? I, my, daughter, my daughter is off right now. She was, she was sitting next to me at eight o'clock this morning because she's serving in kid life and she's 17. She's a senior. And, and I talk with my sermons. I talked with her and my wife. We, we talk. Um, but I told my wife yesterday, I said, Amelia is kind of more helpful than you. Was that hurtful? Gail? Was it? She's, she's hurt. We'll, we'll work through it. But Amelia, Amelia knows now at 17 as a senior in high school, ready to graduate. She loves kids. So she doesn't quite know what she's going to do with that. But she's, she's, she's trying some things out. She's serving kids. So keep that chart up there. So she, so passion, what do you, what do you wake up with and say like, man, I get to do this. Your potential, bottom left circle your potential. What's your natural skill? What's that thing you're born to do that, that just feels like it's wired in your DNA? That's like so unique to you, you just do it and it just comes naturally. I learned over the years some things about me that I'm like, I, I like, uh, for some reason, like I like mediating conflict. Please don't invite me into more, okay? But God seems to direct me to conflict because I have some way that, and, and, I, and I enjoy doing that, right? What's your, your natural skill? And then on the bottom right, this is the bottom right, by the way, the production. Um, I could, you could throw the word profession in there. Like what, what, what are your marketable skills? Like what can you use to make money? That's what Jim Collins says. Like what, what can you use to make money? Like this is where, you, where they all come together. I like to think of this more. It's like how, where can you be productive? Where can you make a contribution? What are those skills that you have? Because each of you, has a hedgehog, a unique calling, something that God has given you to do. And I hope that you'll start to think about that because that's your assigned task that you've been given. You're a servant with that assigned task. So maybe it's working with kids. Maybe, maybe you like trading stock. Are you good at trading stock? Is that a gift that God can use in the kingdom, right? Uh, well, what trading crypto, does that count? Cryptocurrency, this is, you guys are not as excited about cryptocurrency as I'm, I'm totally joking. Like, um, but some of you are like really into that. So what about, what about sports? Some of you are artists, some of you, some of you have, um, have the ability to cook. 
and you like food. I can remember years ago, I was working in a bank. I was working in internet banking. Young people, when the internet was like a new thing, like it was, it hasn't always existed. The internet was a new thing. And I was working for a bank and we were building internet banking in this site. And I had, I was young and I was mentored by, a, by one of the senior vice presidents in the bank. He sat me down and taught me Microsoft Excel, how to build spreadsheets and how to do that. And guess what? I, I did not know at the time, like how valuable that would be. God was doing that at that moment because you know what I do now a lot of the time? I look at complex spreadsheets and financial formulas and build that stuff and use it and, I, and I'm able to use it for the kingdom. I didn't know when I was working at the, at the bank that I was gonna do that. So let me, let me say to some of you that are maybe uh, 17 to 25 or so, my 20 year old um, kids, I've got a 23 and a 21, they're here this morning, one is about 20. I'm constantly telling them, get skills, acquire skills. Don't worry about what the job is right now. Like just get those skills and build your skill set because you don't know how God will take those skills and use them later in life. You have no idea. Develop skills at listening, skills in conversation. Get good at making charts. Pastor Connie, oh, I, this is my first week. So I'm like, I'm like a you know, roaming around here, like lost, don't know where to go. You know, Pastor Connie sits down with me and she's like got like four charts that she puts in front of me. You know what Pastor Connie has skills at? Taking complex things and making them not complex for dummies like me. That's what Pastor Connie does. And she did that and she's using her skills for the kingdom of God. So acquire skills. Don't just play defense, that's vigilance, right? Play offense, get active, be active, put your skills to use. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it heartily, do it vigilantly for the Lord because it's him that you're serving. Okay, so vigilance, vigorous activity. And here's the last thing, the watchful servant is not just vigilant and vigorous, but they're also victorious. You are victorious. In light of Jesus returning to his house, you have great victory today and in the future. Now, it's easy. It's easy when you're trying to live vigilantly and vigorously to get beaten down by this world, isn't it? Isn't it easy to get beaten down? Now, confession, I am a Chicago Bears fan. Any Chicago Bears fans out there? Was it what? Is there one person? Ba just, just barely. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's very hard to be a Chicago Bears fan all the time. Uh, so, I, <laughs> so I have to do something to watch. I can't get the Bears games in this market, okay? Because nobody wants to watch the Bears in any market, let alone this one where there are three different football teams that you could watch. So I, I purchased NFL Network Plus. And one of the things you can do is like you have to wait three hours until the game's over. So if they play at one, I, I can go on at four, I can go on the app and I can, it will tell me, like I can watch a condensed version, which is like 40 minutes where they really shrink it down or I can watch the full version. I used to not like to know the score in advance and then I just went through so many times of watching in like in live, like just the depression of your team just being terrible. 
So now what I do is I actually look at the score in advance and I'll watch the condensed, like fast forwarded replay just for, my, for the sake of my heart and my spiritual life. I, I have to do this, okay? Um, I watch it in replay because I know the outcome is bad. Just laugh at me. Some of you are just, that's just very painful what's going on right over there. Some of you are living life defeated like that. Like you're living life in replay because you're living out a past and you think the future is gonna look just like the past. And I wanna say to you this morning, Jesus Christ, because he's coming again and he's coming even right now into your life, he's trying to, you, you are victorious. You are not defeated. The enemy, Jesus warns us in Peter, that the enemy, we have a, an enemy who's, who's like a roaring lion. He's, and so Peter says, like, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is roaming around seeking the one who he can devour, so resist him. I know in our world today, you think people think it's silly to believe in Satan. You should believe in him because Jesus talked about him and Jesus said you should be watching for him and you should resist him and stand firm against him. But some of you are living out of defeat because you think your problems are too big. Some of you probably got a doctor's diagnosis recently that's really bad. Some of you are dealing with issues of addiction and drugs and you have not been able to overcome, overcome the hold that, that drugs have on your life or that pornography has on your life and you live defeated as though you'll never win. Some of you have struggled with issues with food and with eating disorders and you just feel like you're not enough and your body isn't enough and you'll never be enough and you are living defeated. Others of you can't even fathom to think that tomorrow morning you have to wake up and go to work because your boss is terrible and you hate your job. Some young people here are, are afraid of going to school tomorrow because there's somebody there who's gonna pick on you and make you feel unwelcomed and worthless and like you don't belong. I've heard even in the last few weeks in this church that people have marriages that are irreconcilable, that they're not fixable, that, you're, that your kids, you're worried about your kids and, and about their future and, and the direction and the trajectory of their life right now. You don't like where it's headed and you're living in defeat and you're buying the enemy's lie that says there is no help on the way. There's no help. You're on your own. You're alone. There's no victory. In the Old Testament, the prayer of the Old Testament people of God sounds like this, how long, O Lord? And maybe if you could even muster a prayer today, you who are living in defeat, you just like say, how long, O God, do I have to endure this? But let me show you that I love this word, this word Maranatha. The, the Old Testament, how long, the prayer of how long has switched in the New Testament to something that comes right out of Revelation 22:20. Revelation 22, 20 says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Why is that a comfort for us? How is that different than the how long, O oh Lord? Because in the New Testament, we knew that God had already come 
in the flesh. He came as a man, Jesus Christ. He lived, he died, he conquered death and hell, and he rose again. He lives now, he's ascended into heaven, and he is coming back for you. And today, there is victory in your life because of King Jesus, because he's coming back. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So stop living in replay mode. Stop living, looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking forward. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ a loser? Is Jesus Christ a loser? No. And so why are you living defeated? Because you have Christ in you, Galatians 2. You're united to Christ. Do you think when Jesus looks at your problems, your addictions, your challenges, that he looks at them and says, oh, I can't beat that. No, Jesus Christ is the conquering king and he wants to come into your life today and you need to welcome his victory into your life. The watchful servant lives victoriously. Are you victorious people? Amen, yes you are. You are victorious. And so when Satan whispers to you, there's no help on the way, you step back and you watch victoriously because you say, Maranatha, even so, Lord Jesus is coming into my life right now. So let me ask you, church, how are you going to live today if you know that Jesus is coming back? How are you gonna live today? What would today, what would you do today in your house if you knew that Jesus was coming back? You know what it is. Let me tell you, get to it. Get to it. Be vigilant. Play some defense. Find your task. Be vigorous in doing it. And by all means, don't be a loser. You're not a loser. You are a winner in Jesus Christ. He has conquered. He's conquering in your life. He wants to do work in your life. Are you ready for it? Do you have room for it? Do you welcome it? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for the ways that you want to work in the lives of these people. Every person right here, every person that's here, you made, you love, you know the number of hairs on their heads and you are watching over their life and you want to come into their life and bring them victory. We think of that old song, victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. Fill us, God, with your courage, with God, fill us with that spirit of vigilance and vigor and victory, God. We pray all these things in the mighty name of King Jesus and all God's people say, amen. amen.